Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi Brigway. I once read a great quote that says, Success is fleeting, so it is temporary, it doesn't last. It is significance that endures, that lasts. Today we're talking about the secret to the kind of success that will outlive you. Now the thing is, with enough ambition and focus, pretty much anyone can achieve a measure of success. But will it last? Can it be sustained? The truth is, well, no, not really. Not if a rarely celebrated character trait is missing from your interactions with people, particularly with those who are either coming up behind you or those who are less advantaged than you. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what this quality is that I'm going to be bringing out today. And after that, I will just build my case and show you (laughs) why it is important to have a lifestyle where this character trait, right, is part of your life and the way that you approach and deal with people. And it's very simple, it is kindness. So this week, I want to unveil how this fruit of the spirit is linked with enduring success. It's not just about skill, knowledge, expertise, and all those things. Kindness is linked to enduring success. And to help me do that, I'll be examining the life of a Bible character whose acts of kindness produced a successful legacy that outlived him. I will also back this up with modern day examples and some research. Okay, are you ready? (laughs) Now, today's character is a man called Basilei. And the text I'm reading from today from the Bible, my book of wisdom, is from 2 Samuel 17, 2 Samuel 19, and 1 Kings 2. To give you a bit of context and background um, into Basilei's life. So he lived, he was an old man, he was about 80 years old, and he lived during the time when David was king. But it's very important for me to emphasize that This story that I'm about to share happened when David actually was in serious trouble. His son Absalom had literally just dethroned him. He had declared himself king and he had marked David for death, for execution. So he was bent on killing David and all his loyal um, leaders, the warriors, the mighty warriors, the mighty men of David, etc. He had literally written a list and he was hunting for them and they were going to be killed. So David had to run away. So he left his throne and he was forced into exile. 
So that's where we're actually picking up from. Second Samuel 17 from verse 27 says, When David arrived at Mahanaim, he was warmly greeted by Basilai. And the Bible also names a few other men. It says that they brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, and so on. Uh, sheep, goats, cheese. For David and for those who were with him. For they said, you must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. Wow, what what kindness, what kindness, particularly to a man that had literally lost everything. He had lost his palace. He had lost his throne. He has lost. He had lost his authority. He was covered in shame because this was not some stranger that was doing this to him. It was his own son. Imagine the pain that he was going through that his own firstborn son was doing this to him. So he was a broken man. David was a broken man. And Basilei, when this man was broken, decided to show him kindness. Now, <laughs> you know, if I'm playing devil's advocate here, you might say, well, I mean, David was king. What was Basilei supposed to do, right? You had to be kind to him. I mean, the guy was king. <laughs> no, because David literally was no longer king. Absalom had taken over Jerusalem. He had taken over the palace. The whole of Israel had begun to sing, this is Absalom. They had literally crowned him king. So he was now king. And if you go back and listen to um, a previous podcast that I did, I showed how Absalom actually won the heart of the whole of Israel using the power of influence using the power of influence. So he had literally won their heart and everybody was bowing down to Absalom. If you want to learn how Absalom accomplished that, go back at the end of this podcast to listen to episode nine, multiply your income by growing your sphere of influence. So David was no longer king. He had zero authority over Basilei, meaning Basilei did not have an obligation to serve David. You don't believe me? Okay, let me now contrast Basilei's response, Basilei's kindness to David. Let me contrast that with another man's response to David just a few days earlier, after, you know, after David had run away from Jerusalem. He encountered another man before he got to Basilei. And I'll show you what this man did. He says in 2 Samuel 16, 5, says, As David came to Bahurim, a man named Shimei came out of the village cursing them. So that's David and his men. It says he threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David. He said, the Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine for you are a murderer. Wow. No, I mean, this is so telling. None of what this man 
called Shimel. None of what he said to David was true. They were all lies. But you, you know how it is. When someone that we know, whether in our inner circle, usually in our outer circle, when you just hear of someone that maybe had, you know, held a high position or a leader at work or whatever it is, and you hear that, you know, something happened to them and they got sacked or they got into trouble, whatever it is. You know how we tend to always rush to the conclusion that, mm-hmm, yes, I knew it. I knew it. You know, that guy, the way, the way he looked, people, I just knew there was something off about him. And we come and we draw the, these conclusions, usually on the negative side that puts the guilt and heaps guilt on people. And a lot of those times, we don't even know what we're talking about. We're just drawing our own conclusions based on God knows what. This man, what he was sh- uh, accusing David of were all lies because David never murdered. He didn't shed any any blood in Saul's clan. He refused to kill Saul. He had several opportunities. Even when you know he was Jonathan's type, they were covenant brothers. He mourned. He grieved for for Saul for Jonathan. Took Mephibosheth. Jonathan's son in and made him like a prince to sit at his table for the rest of his life. So everything this man was saying was wrong. It was all lies, but he took advantage of the fact that David was now a broken man. He was falling. This calamity had come upon him and he decided he used that as an opportunity to attack him. All right. Contrast these two men. That's Basilai responded to a man, a fallen man, a broken man, a man in dire circumstances with kindness. He didn't judge him. He didn't say, well, you too, what did you do to Absalom that he did that to you? He didn't question him. He literally just said, I, I know that traveling through the wilderness and having to literally run away without supplies I know that you must be tired, you must be hungry, you must be thirsty. Here, rest a while. Here's all this food, etc. All the cooking equipment that you need. And he gave them all the food stuff that they would need. No questions asked. Saw somebody in a, a, in harsh difficulty and said, here, I'm going to help you. He showed kindness. Meanwhile, the other one literally looked at him and said, uh-huh, this is my opportunity to curse and to attack. Right. And what did David do? David did nothing, which is also to prove my point. If he was a man of authority, like what the king, he did nothing because he was a broken man. In fact, this is what David responded with. He said, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse me. So he was just like, listen, what I'm going through is is worse than this random man just coming. He was so overwhelmed with his troubles. He was so overwhelmed with what he was going through that he couldn't even be bothered, right, to answer some someone that was throwing stones at him like a dog. He was throwing stones at him like a dog. Okay. Now that is basically what I'm saying. My point is David had been publicly dethroned, humiliated by his own son. His life was in danger. He had lost his authority and he was at the lowest point of his life. One man used that as an opportunity to curse, to attack, 
to tell lies, right? Another one uses as an opportunity to not ask any questions, but he saw someone in a difficult situation and he reached out, he helped and he showed kindness. All right. Now, I suppose generally when people tell us to be kind, you know, you hear about do random acts of kindness, right? They, they, a lot of times they said, they've encouraged people to be kind for that warm, fuzzy feeling that, you know, that fills your heart. When you help someone, you just feel good about it. Yes, you know, that's all well and good. That's important. And I, and research has shown that the kinder you are to people, the happy, the happier you are, the more fulfilled you are in life. But what I really want to do today is to show you how being kind actually brings you more than a sense of fulfillment, that it produces tangible, measurable results. And if you move, if you take it one step further, if you go beyond just randomly doing acts of kindness every now and then or once, you know, at Christmas or whatever it is, to making it a habit, a lifestyle, my goal today is to show you that it will bring you long lasting success in life. All right. So we know that Basilei was kind to David. He didn't ask any questions. He literally just helped him. So let's see the kindness. Sorry. Let's see the outcome of that kindness is kindness to David. Now, after going into exile, Absalom made mistakes that eventually got him killed. And after a string of events, etc., David was reinstated as king. Okay, so he came out of hiding and he was re he re basically returned to Jerusalem. But before we see what happened, though, the outcome of the result or the reward, um, Basilah's reward for his kindness to David. First, let's see what happened to Shimei, right? The man who mistreated David when he was dethroned. <laughs> so he says, when, you know, David started back to Jerusalem and as the king was about to cross the river, this same Shimei that was so bold, bold enough to be carrying stones and throwing it. It wasn't just the fact that David was king, right? It was the fact that he was a warrior. As in, David, I think I'm correct. <laughs> I need to double check this. But I don't think, think David ever lost any battle. And he and his mighty warriors, these guys were tough. I mean, you don't mess with them. So he, <laughs> he wasn't even afraid. He was so bold and he was emboldened by David's misfortunes, right? That he was, he just basically went all out and was so nasty to him. This same guy, the Bible says that he fell down before David. Now that he's back as king, right? He said, my Lord, the king, please forgive me. <laughs> So he, he pleaded, for, he said, forget the terrible thing that your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That is why I have come here today. The very first person in all Israel to greet my Lord, the king. What hogwash. <laughs> I mean, imagine this is the kind of person that we call a fair weather friend. People that are only kind when the going is good. They will only show kindness. They will only show support when the going is good, when they have something to gain from you. Now, obviously, David could have had him killed on the spot. Killed. 
So his life would have been snuffed because he did not show kindness, because he saw somebody that was down, because he saw someone in a position that was less advantaged than his at that point in time. And he did not allow compassion to flow through him. He would have, you know, have, he would have lost his life. But, you know, David being someone who is merciful himself and he was also very excited to be back as king again, that he literally just let it go and said, yeah, I don't have time for this. And he spared um, Shemel's life and he let him go. Now, I want to also show something that Basilai's kindness to David was not a one off, right? It was his lifestyle, which is the point that I was making about not just being some random act of kindness where, you know, it's Christmas or it's Easter and you decide to go and feed the poor, or whatever it is. It's a lifestyle. And how do I know? The thing is, Basilai not only helped David when he was in, when he was in trouble, so when he had lost everything, but he also helped him or honored him or was kind to him when he was king again. Because the Bible records that he this was an 80-year-old man. And do you know, in, in those times, they didn't, around particularly like David's time onwards, I know that people like Abraham lived long, but the further you went into the Bible, they didn't live that long. So uh 60s in fact a lot of them died young or if you look at the chronicles of all the kings like 40 50 so being 80 this man was an old man it's not like today where people literally are living to 90 100 etc he was an old man but the bible says that he came down from his home to escort the king across the jordan so to cross the jordan the river, massive river on his way back to Jerusalem. Wow. His kindness was consistent through the good and the bad. Compare that with Shimei. Shimei was kind and respectful and was honoring David when he was king. When he wasn't king, he was throwing stones at him. All right. And he, he, he had a heart for it. It was his lifestyle. So how was Basilai rewarded? David basically said to him, the king said to him, this was his reward. He says, come across with me and live in Jerusalem. I will take care of you there. I will help you in any way that you would like. And I will do for you anything you want. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine the honor of being served by the king, which is basically what David was saying. He said, I will serve you the same way you have served me. I will serve you for the rest of your life. But do you know that Basilai didn't even accept that reward? He didn't accept it. It's another indication that his motive was not, he wasn't thinking, mm, okay, I'm going to calculate. David is down now, but uh, I'm not really sure about Absalom's chances. So I'm just going to side with David. And I think David will be back. So I'm going to be kind to him. And then when he's reinstated as king, this is what he's going to do for me um, and my family, etc. He turned it down. He turned it down, meaning that was the nature of this man's heart. He did it purely to help someone in trouble. He did it purely to be kind. So he turned it down. He turned it down, right? 
this is what he said he said no i am 80 years old today and i can no longer enjoy anything food and wine are no longer tasty and i cannot hear the singers as they sing i would only be a burden to my lord the king imagine he now says just go just to go across the jordan river with the king is all the honor that i need amazing he said just to be able to serve you that's what i'm after that's that's what i deem as honor all right his motive was very clear but to prove the point that i'm saying <laughs> that it's not just so he was talking about that warm fuzzy feeling you know i feel fulfilled it's just a joy to be able to be kind and to serve it doesn't end there which is the point of today's episode because they was like no david insisted and he said i have to do something for you so eventually basilai said okay fine take my son in my place and he sent his son in his place and david took basilai's son and pretty much made him like one of his own sons like a prince in the king's palace that man's dynasty right that man's dynasty was set up forever his dynasty was set up forever and just to prove, to show you even further what i'm saying right the link between being kind hearted and having success that would outlive you that would last forever all right is this it didn't end there on david's deathbed see what he ordered he didn't even say please try and do this he ordered solomon his son who was to be the next king see what he ordered solomon to do he said be kind to the sons of basilai of gilead make them permanent guests at your table for they took care of me when i fled from your brother absalom amazing just just amazing a study was carried out where about 50,000 leaders were ranked on effectiveness right effectiveness as a leader based on feedback from the people that they led <laughs> now the final results show that only 27 only 27 out of 50,000 only 27 of those leaders of the leaders who were rated in the bottom quartile in terms of likability so the ones who scored the lowest in terms of people liking them right or to put it another way out of you know the ones that were most disliked he says only 27 of those leaders made it into the top quarter in terms of overall leadership effectiveness 27 out of 50,000 Do you know what that means? It's basically saying that the chances that a leader who is strongly disliked will be considered an effective leader are only about 1 in 2000. Those are very small odds. Very small odds. So, what I'm showing from research from modern day examples is it's not enough to be to be competent it is not enough to know how to do your job it is not enough to be able to lead a team and you know everybody is meeting their targets but you're pushing people to the point that they don't like you 
the personal touch, the human touch is important if you're going to sustain that success. Because if people don't like working for you or working with you, they will eventually abandon you. They will go away because as human beings, nobody likes to be in a hostile environment. Another example that I found really interesting was um, the, the one that um, Colin Powell, so Foster General, and he was also the former U.S. Secretary of State. In his new book, the book titled It Worked For Me, he tells a great story that happened when he was Secretary of State and he attended an event. Now, he went to the event and then his, you know, his car was placed in the parking garage and he saw that in that parking garage, the attendants were mainly immigrants making minimum wage. He also noticed that the garage was so small <laughs> that the parking attendants had to double park and literally stack the cars. So nobody was getting out without the guy say so, the, the attendant say so, basically, because everybody was, almost everybody was blocked in. And he observed that these attendants seemed to have a system right? They had a system going as to how they packed the cars. And, you know, he wondered to himself that how, did, how would they know and how did they choose which car will be arranged to get out first? So he was puzzled enough to be able to ask them. So he walked up to one of them and then he asked them and, you know, asked him and he said, how do we, how do you determine where you put which car or is it just randomly, you know, but he had noticed that there seemed to be some kind of a system. All right. Especially because it was an event that was being attended by very important people. So he might have been wondering, oh, is it because, okay, maybe, uh, someone like him, Foster General, we have to park very close to the, to the exit so that he can leave straight away. So he was just curious and he, he walked up to them and then he asked them. And the attendants told Colin Powell that when customers drove in, remember these are, these customers are, people that were influential in society, right? I mean, it was a social event that the U.S. Secretary of State, sitting Secretary of State was attending as a guest. So it's they, the, the attendants told him that when those customers drove in, if they lowered the window and smiled, right, at the parking attendant, then they parked their car so that they would be the first to get out. But if they looked straight ahead and didn't bother to acknowledge the person that was serving them, in other words, treated them like they were unworthy of their attention, then they were going to be the last to get out. <laughs> now, that may seem like, oh, a bit spiteful or whatever it is. But it was what I what I got from that is the way we treat people actually will will determine it will produce certain physical tangible results in your life whether for good or for bad and this really impacted colin powell and what he did was at his next senior staff meeting he told all his senior leaders and i quote he said you can never err by treating everyone in the building with respect thoughtfulness and a kind word you can never go wrong from the person from the doorman that greets you in the morning when you arrive to the ceo of the organization just treating people with thoughtfulness with respect and a kind word he explained that kindness is not just about being nice it is recognizing another human being who deserves care and respect so not just saying, oh, well, 
this person is beneath me. They're not worthy of my time or my kindness. No, every human being deserves care and respect. Now, the thing is, when you have a reputation for being kind and respectful as a leader, and I, as I said, if you know, when I'm talking about leader, leadership, you're a leader to your children, you're a leader at work, you're a leader to uh, some of the people that you met, whatever it is, in whatever capacity, right? You inspire strength and confidence in the people that you lead. And usually, usually this will lead to long-lasting emotional bonds. And as a result of those emotional bonds, people will want to commit themselves to you to help you drive your productivity. So it can't just be, oh, I walk into a team, I'm leading a team, and I, you know, pull everybody together. We need to get this done. And I do so harshly, we get the results. If you continue to do that, the more you push and you treat people like that, the further they will pull away from you and obviously the productivity will suffer. So we're talking about success that lasts. As a leader, I'm going to finish up this episode with this. You can express kindness in a number of ways. You're not just shining teeth (laughs) at everybody and, you know, and all that. Kindness is of the heart, is a state, is a function of the heart, is a state, is a posture. It's how you see people. You see people and you treat people, human beings, as equals. And if there is somebody in a situation where you can offer kindness without judgment, that is what we're talking about. And I'm going to give 10 ways that you can treat people with respect, with kindness, and express kindness, particularly as a leader. Number one is adopting a humane approach. I've already mentioned that treat people like human beings, not just a means to an end. It can't just be about the results. It can't just be about achieving your targets. Even as a parent, you want your child to be able to do well at school, to be able to achieve this and achieve that. Kindness has to go hand in hand with it. Otherwise, you will push that child away. And this is le- this is a lesson that I learned actually through one of my mentors. And she just mentioned it in passing. And she said how she, she actually, she was just saying in passing, she said her husband had been raised in an environment where it was a strict environment and, you know, he was expected to be able to, you know, do all this and achieve all these things. And he did. You know, he went to medical school, very successful, etc. But she was now saying that every time her husband thinks back to that time in his life, he thinks about it with sadness because he felt he didn't enjoy. There was no warmth from his parents or from his mother, I think it was. And she was basically saying, yes, you know, hit all these targets, etc. But do it, make sure you do it with warmth, with kindness. Reassure that child that you care, that you care. It's not just about you must do this, you have to accomplish this, you have to accomplish that. So make it a humane approach. Treat people like human beings, not just a means to help you achieve whatever end that you're going for. Number two is be fair and be impartial. That's quite straightforward. 
All right. Be fair and impartial. Number three is accommodate people when they're going through personal issues. And we see this quite a lot in the workplace where people are afraid to come out and say when they have personal issues, they're struggling with things in their marriages or with their children, etc. Because they think, oh, the kind of leader that they have, you know, he, this person is no nonsense. There's no empathy. There's no empathy, right? For, for, um, someone's personal circumstances, a, a young mother, for example, that has a child in nursery or creche that needs to leave to go and pick up that child, it, you know, in some organizations, this is frowned upon. Some leaders frown upon things like this. So accommodate people when they are going through personal issues or when they have things that are touching them beyond the work environment. Number three, treat people with respect regardless of who they are which respect. Everyone deserves respect. Number five, okay, I believe that's number five, be caring and be responsive to people emotionally, all right? Be responsive emotionally. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean obviously crying and, and all that. It's basically just being emotionally available, not be distant. Show that you care. Number six, communicate with a personal touch, not just additional orders, all right? So I, I, I read about, I think it was another study or research that says that leaders that establish that personal connection first before they drive productivity always perform better than those who go first for the results and then try to build that personal relationship later on, okay? So communicate with a personal touch. Number seven, share information in a transparent way. Number eight, explain the reasons for your decisions. Treat people like human beings. That is also part of this. Don't just say, we're doing this and we're doing this. That's the end of it. Particularly when we're raising our children. Say, why? It's because I said so. I'm your mother and I said so, so go and do it. (laughs) That's not being kind. You can actually sit that child down and explain why you're doing what you're doing and why you've made that decision. And remember, we're talking about longevity. So you can get obedience out of that child if you say that, say, because I say so. But if you want to instill that value in that child to be able to replicate that action without you next time, it is better to explain. Number nine, listen intently and value the views of others. Very straightforward. And the last one, number 10, be a mentor. So through counseling, be through mentoring. If someone just needs to talk to you about something, don't say, listen, you know, I don't have time for this. Uh, I have my own stuff, etc." Being kind is be having a listening ear. Just the person may not necessarily need you to solve their problems. They may just need you to hear them out for them to be able to talk about it. Um, be inclusive. As a leader, don't be exclusive. Don't walk around with an air of superiority. Like, hey, you know, I'm the the bomb. Okay, so I'm better than everyone else. Nobody's as intelligent as me. Nobody's as good as me. Even if your results show that you're the best, you know, it, it doesn't mean you're the best at everything. There are people that are still better at you at certain things. And it is always good to be inclusive. Don't be exclusive and primarily that comes through arrogance 
Okay, so that's it for today's episode. And I want to end by encouraging you to make kindness a valued part of your lifestyle. Until next time, this is Allow Me.